Hello and welcome back to History for Today. This is the second half of the conversation that I had with Nick Heiserer, where in this episode I am going to ask him some questions about what possessed him to go back to graduate school and seek a PhD. So, I hope you find this interesting. I did. Thanks for listening. Have you heard of um, mindfulness meditation? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm thinking of doing some sort of analysis and study of um, individuals who use a daily regimen of mindfulness meditation in, in, a, in the workplace as it relates to at work or absenteeism, um, something with that. So mental health, worker health, that kind of thing. So we'll cool. see. Yeah. We shall see. Well, hey, I've used enough of your time. I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything else that you would like to, for me to make sure I get in here and record it? I, again, really appreciate that I have your stuff that you've already um, written out. Well, I was curious um, yeah. about, you know, sort of your decision to start a grad program now. Um, what kind of made you decide? You know, was this like an all, you know, was this like an just a, one day you decided you were going to do it or did goals change over time or how do you, how do you come to this? Sure. And before I, I keep going, do you want to record this for your podcast or are you just take a note? So you're just generally curious to see if this would work for your podcast. Uh, actually, I was going to ask you to just send, send me send you a, the stuff. Okay. A link to your recording and then I'll just edit off of that. Perfect. Okay. okay. Sounds great. Okay. Sweet. Everything. Good. Okay, so yeah, the the reason that I decided to start my doctoral program is I'll start kind of at the beginning. Um, So I fell in love with education, actually, and higher education, and being a student, actually, when I attended BSU, 99 to 2004. And I fell in love with the topic of history and social sciences. And I decided that um, I, you know, I loved history coming into the to BSU. And that's what I thought I wanted to be. But um, I, you know, was raised in a fairly pragmatic and technically ba- technical based family where you 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 basically go to school to get a trade, mm-hmm. and so it was much more acceptable to become a, a social studies education uh, and teacher. Brandon told you that history was no trade. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They said the purpose. I, I used to have arguments with my parents when I was in college. Oh, Dad, the purpose of education is to get a is to get a degree, is to receive an education and broaden your horizons and think about the world differently. And no, Nick, the purpose is to get a job. And so I, I ended up um, going social studies and minoring in history. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, the plan was to get a teaching job right out of college. And um, I actually was gonna go for my, um, my, my super senior year and get a, be a double major in history but I ended up getting married um, right out of college to a girl I met at BSU and we moved to the area and we started to get into job mode. And so I couldn't find any social studies jobs in the area. Uh, So luckily enough, uh, there was a grant funded position available at Central Lakes College uh, that was working with TRIO, TRIO Upper Bound. Uh So I was the project director of that program for a number of years. And um, basically what happened while I was working there is I became working in academia, um, you know, interested in, um, you know, continually that pursuit of teaching in, in, or continue to advance in, in higher education. And so I learned of a program uh, that a scholarship program that allowed for employees at uh, my institution 
one employee a year uh, to, or a semester, one employee a semester could apply for and receive a full tuition scholarship from the College of St. Scholastica, which was okay. at our campus as a satellite. And so I applied for it and got it and started taking these business courses, which I've never taken ever before. And so I started to really enjoy the field of business. I enjoyed um, economics. I enjoyed understanding how things worked. And, uh, you know, I, that was interesting to me. And it was free, right? So I was taking these courses for free. And the next semester rolled around. I applied. Nobody else applied again. Well, this happened for three consecutive years. I was going part-time and I was able to get a master's degree for free. So now I have my master's degree in, in business and am, uh, am now a supervisor at the college. And then a sabbatical uh, opening happened. I was able to teach business because I was credentialed. I just really wanted to teach. I didn't really care what it was at the time. I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. That's why I went to school to be a teacher. And so I was uh, doing that for a little bit till the sabbatical dried up and then that faculty came back and it is hard to find teaching positions that are full-time in higher ed and so I, I went back to my I was on a leave of absence for my supervisory job went back to that and did that for five or six more years had some success there and it was in student services and uh, so then uh, that faculty that I replaced ended up retiring and I was able to, over the course of time, take some adjunct positions as well. And so now I finally was able to teach full-time at the college. I was hired to be a, an instructor at the community college in business. And then uh, what happened after that was I was looking and we are eligible uh, two-year college instructors for a tuition waiver at any applied doctoral program at the system. Well, I'm in field and business. And so I can uh, use that tuition waiver to, you know, receive uh, free, free doctoral tuition. And mm -hmm. there was a school that offered a doctoral program in my major, which was Metropolitan State. In fact, I think it's the only doctoral business administration program in Minnesota State. It's the only one I could choose from. And so it's a low residency program. Right now we're recording this during COVID. And so it's actually via Zoom, which is actually working out, I think, really well. Uh, it's, I'm enjoying the experience. I'm and so um, part of it was, you know, teaching at a, getting a doctoral degree, of course, and especially one that doesn't cost um, a lot of money in loans, right? I'm not taking out any, uh, to me is both a good career advancement move, uh, both because it opens doors to potentially teach at a four year, uh, it opens doors to do um, administration, mm -hmm. um, but you can also apply it to business. And so to me, it's, it's, it's um, a good career idea but also, here's the other thing: is that um, what I'm what I'm learning is is that you know um, you know getting that master's degree at least for me is you're becoming this um, you're becoming an expert in the field uh, where you know a lot about content about a certain thing, right? You become a a practitioner almost about the content. And what I'm learning about the doctoral level is it's almost like you are becoming now an expert that is in charge of the body of knowledge. And I really actually enjoy that different perspective. And I was not aware of, of that happening or you know, existing. So not just necessarily being credentialed to do something to, you know, to teach or to have these jobs, but to be actually responsible for helping to craft the advancement in, of your discipline, to me is just really appealing. Yeah. And so that was, you know, I, I would, I'm a fairly driven person where you know, I, I always have plans and things I want to do, 
But the other truth of it is, is that sometimes you walk through the doors that, um, you know, for whatever reason, become open for open, you. Right, yeah. and, and that's that's what I am doing at this point. You know, the other factor, of course, to think about is, you know, I, I remember talking to a number of professors back in the day at BSU and I'd said, well, gosh, I want to be a professor like you. And they said, well, think about it. Um, I don't have any, I don't have, you know, and they'd say, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to have a family and I want to do this. And, you know, and they'd say, well, you know, I don't have kids because <laughs> I was spending 10 years of my life, you know, having kids. But I, I guess the thing to keep in mind for your audience is that, you know, you can, you can do all the things that you want to do. You just have to think about the timing and, mm -hmm. and for things to um, happen and, you know, to, to really look at ways to save money. Yeah, to, you know, for me, it was working in higher education that allowed for that tuition waiver. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just to be thinking strategically about how can I attain these degrees, um, you know, in a way that, you know, meets my goals financially as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you think, I mean, you've been in the, the OER cohort as well. So you're kind of in that sort of new, I don't know change in, in educational format, kind of new media mode. So how do you think as you're, as you're working on that and as you're, as you're sort of thinking about that as an element of um, what you're gonna do in education in the future, what do you think's happening and, and how does COVID sort of- Oh man, well, you know, firstly the OER stuff has helped me in my doctoral program because I'm, I'm just more used to um, finding information and, and doing some research on my own because I'm used to creating it like I, I wasn't just taking it from a textbook or from a teacher's guide. Um, but, you know, it, I got to tell you, it is my belief fundamentally that information should be free and accessible. And so one of the reasons that I like OER is that it, it, it supports my values about accessibility and uh, and uh, not that education, when something's free, doesn't mean that it's not valuable. It's very valuable. But to me, it, it, it's really, to me, a, a right. And it's important to our advancement as a species, as a society, to, um, you know, to access and be an informed uh, population. So to me, there's a core value there. Mm -hmm. I see COVID, and that's a really good, interesting question. I, I, hmm. I would love to have the opinion that uh, COVID may allow for a greater use and adoption of OER. Mm -hmm. I would say at least in the short term, um, I've seen more of my peers that are not used to teaching in a certain style to, because they've had to adapt to this whole new medium of teaching via Zoom, uh, they go to what's comfortable and, and familiar. And, and sometimes that can be prepackaged uh, textbooks and uh, other materials that are made by the publisher. Sure, because so much else is in chaos and change. So much else is in chaos, um, yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing, and I, I don't mean to sound, um, I shouldn't even preface it like that. I was gonna say, I don't mean to sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I am a little concerned that if you look at the number of textbook manufacturers, I mean, they are really owned by a small grouping of people. And mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I have concerns uh, not necessarily that I, I know of any abuses that are happening, but just the fundamental concept of a very small number of uh, corporations that are taking in all the revenues for knowledge that people are learning. To yeah. me, it, it just goes against that idea of, of information being free. Mm -hmm. I would love to see, uh, regardless of COVID, 
and you know, then there's a the whole issue of politicizing knowledge and blah, blah, blah. I won't get into that. But um, you know, regardless of COVID, my, my overall hope is, is that as we progress and we start to grow up out of these teenage years of the internet and free information, um, you know, where we're trying to figure out, you know, valid and not valid, that we as a society um, and as academics or students start to build upon that and create systems in which information is free and uh, there are checks and balances to make sure it's legitimate. Um, and, and to me, that's just, you know, what I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned about on the academic side is, is, but I'm certainly concerned on the social media side, right? I mean, you see all of this misinformation happening out there in the world. Yeah. And so to me, that's part of the growing pains that we're kind of coming through right now as an internet population. We have all this information that's available to us, but we're not necessarily very discerning about how do we make sure that what we're actually reading and talking about is true and valid. And to me, that's probably the next step that I think we're struggling through. And I hope we come out the other side of. Well, we will one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you mentioned um, that your parents were, were very much more vo vocationally focused in education. Yeah. Uh, do you think that education itself is becoming more vocationally focused now? And, um, and how do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Well, I teach business, um, so I have a mixed opinion about that. I really do. Um, so um, I would say, and it might be because I'm a product of my parents, I think there is a place in education to teach critical thinking and to teach communication skills and to teach the discourse of what do I believe and what are my values and to um, really evaluate that and make them your own. And, and you cannot put a price on that, those, those skills that I really believe are, are offered by liberal arts uh, courses. Uh -huh. And I think it is very important that our economy requires people with certain types of skills. Uh -huh. And so um, to me, the best balance between that is some sort of marriage of that. Um, in addition, though, there's another piece of the puzzle that I think that liberal arts is not always covering, nor is technical, and that is soft skills. Um, you know, there are certain types of life skills about how to show up on time, how to diffuse conflict. And, you know, that's not necessarily the, the realm of liberal arts necessarily because you're teaching critical thinking. It can be a piece of it. But that to me is the third leg of the stool that um, I don't see either group teaching, which I think uh, if, you know, I, I listen to our advisory board, um, you know, for our meetings we have every semester. And, you know, the soft skills is just as important as um, the technical and the critical thinking skills. Uh, so to me, those are kind of the three. Um, and interesting enough, I've read enough uh, primary, uh, you know, uh, sources now from business um, leaders and thought leaders. And you know what? Soft skills back in the factory days and, um, you know, employee attitudes in the human relations area of management, those are just as important as they are now. So, you know, that's something that hasn't changed. So I really think all three are are coming important. And um, I need to be balanced and done well, I think is the other thing. I think there are times when none of the three are done well. And then, you know, instead of just saying we should do more, it's sometimes we need to do better. 
okay. that is really what I, I think people need to be getting getting at too. Okay. Last question for you. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> you know, back in the day at VSU, I had a plan and I had it all written down of when I was going to do and when I was going to do it. And I still have some frameworks of a plan in my head, but I'm not nearly as anxious about whether I achieve that or not. Um, ultimately, what my goal is for my career is I found that the things that are important to me is I, I need a certain standard of living to, you know, to feel like, okay, I'm not stressing about money. I tend to try to live below my means. So, you know, we don't, I don't drive around, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of fancy things. For me, what's important is that I, I never want to be somebody that is watching the clock. I had some of those jobs in college and construction. Where we're all just waiting to get done from work. Right. I don't want to be that because I don't want to waste time, hours of my life, which is, you know, it's finite to, you know, feel like I'm just waiting for the clock to strike 430. Uh -huh. And so hopefully I'm doing something that I'm engaged in that I feel like I'm able to use my strengths and I'm able to help other people. And if I'm doing those things, I'm happy. I'm being challenged. I'm using all that I can. I'm growing. You know, and so I'm in higher ed right now. So one would think if I continued on this path, I would, you know, either do one of three things. I'd be doing what I'm doing now, which is teaching, um, or I'd be, you know, looking at a university uh, professor job, or I'd be an administrator. And, you know, I'm not that concerned. I'm just going to walk through the doors that open when when it seems like they open. But if I'm, if I'm doing those things, if I'm challenged, if I'm contributing, if I'm helping people, I'll be happy. Good, cool. Well, and you are definitely, you've got the energy and the drive and the curiosity that, you know, whatever it is that ends up, you know, whatever door it ends up opening, you're going to be ready for it. So that's cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. Alrighty. Well, hey, I think again, I really appreciate your time, Dan. I will, what I'll do is I'll, I'll stop recording here. Sounds good. All cool. right. All right. Thank you so much. You I bet. appreciate it. Good talking to you, Nick. Bye-bye.